Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to the Feel Better Show, brought to you by Jingle Bells. Um, 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 da 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 dum. It's the Feel Better Show! Feel better with the Feel Better Show. Now I have a machine gun. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to your most favorite podcast ever, the podcast that brings joy to all the little children and all the little boys and girls and anywhere in between. We don't discriminate here. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have done that. But anyways, we're going to continue on. Today I have the opportunity to bring two amazing lads from overseas. This is our second episode with two guests. We're going, I think we're going to go for a trifecta, maybe not. We have the boys from 10 is a Magic Number. Uh, I was just able to guest on their podcast. Uh, actually, this we're in like hour 18 of podcasting. It's, it's insane. Um, gents. <laughs> Please give yourself a quick introduction. I hope you're not too tired from podcasting. Um, so shall I go first or do you, you want to go, go first? So, right. Since you're talking, so, I'm guessing you're going to go first, Joe. Right. Um, so yes, I'm Joe um, from Tennis Magic Number, where we just talk about top 10 lists of anything, really. Um, whether it be top 10 plot twists, um, top 10 albums, best-selling albums, top 10 video game franchises, anything and everything. Um, so that's basically uh, what, what I do. I, I edit and uh, present that. But um, Patrick's the man in charge. So Yeah, I'm, I'm Patrick. Um, Joe's co-host. But I'm in charge. That's, that's it. I just give the orders to Joe. <laughs> Patrick bosses me about and I do everything. That's how we yeah. work. But um, yes, we've just had you on our, on our show. Um, yes, and it was recorded some... an episode of that. Yeah, that was that was a fun. We went on many different tangents. One that <laughs> uh, I'm very happy to say that I may have forced your hand, uh, Joe, to create another podcast, uh, at least an episode <laughs> for Patrick to have and for Patrick to taste the deliciousness that is Tim Hortons. Um, so make sure you check that out on their feed. It's obviously going to be linked in the description down below. So, gents, uh, we when you com- you reached out to me, you guys were very enthused about my podcast idea uh, for your show, which is Top 10 Plot Twists. And then you came at me with obviously the title of the show, which is The Greatest Christmas Story Ever Told. What is The Greatest Christmas Story Ever Told, guys? The, the Greatest Christmas Story Ever Told is, is of course, Die Hard. Oh. Why would you even have to ask, Phil? I, I, I knew what it was. You guys knew what it was, but maybe my <laughs> listeners didn't know what it was. Oh, and yes, of course, of course. It's for the listeners that we're doing this. This is the greatest story, Christmas story ever told is the Die Hard movie. The one that's the most con- in contention at all times. Because this is such an amazing movie, people don't believe that it's a Christmas movie. But it is a Christmas movie. It has to be a I Christmas mean, movie. That said, though, Bruce Willis did recently come out and say that it is not a Christmas film. He was... Well- Despite the fact it takes place on Christmas Eve at a Christmas party, um, and he says, ho, ho, ho. Motherfucker. I I have a gun now or something, I think is the quote. Yeah. Um, it's a Christmas movie. It's not a Christmas film, apparently. No. It is a Christmas movie. Look, he was being held captive by the anti-Christmas movie league. <laughs> That's what was going on. His life was in danger. He's a little past his prime. It's John McClane. He, he needed to... He needed to say it so that he would live and his family would live and he could bring us another John McClane diehard movie. That's why he said it. It was to survive, people. Do not believe the fake news. The fake news is everywhere. It's not I don't true. trust people who don't who don't believe Die Hard's a Christmas movie. You, if you think it's not a Christmas movie, then there's just something wrong with you and I don't trust you. I... Like, come on! It it has to be a Christmas movie, people. Yeah, There's it's two... about someone. What he, he's going to see his family. He wants to be with his family for Christmas. Just why he's in LA. He's going through all the. He, he goes through troubles. There's a happy ending. Yeah. These things happen in Christmas movies. Literally, the line "ho ho ho" is said in it. That yeah. automatically makes it a Christmas movie in my books. That I right there. I feel like it does. And there was I also like it there, there's someone dressed up as Santa Claus. 
So you have Santa Claus yeah. in the movie. There's and Christmas Black music in the movie. There's snow in the movie. Um, Doesn't it start with Jingle Bells playing? Or is it, that the second one? I think it it's does. In the limo. There, there is, it's Run DMC's version of Jingle Bells, I believe. The better version. Driver. It, it is a good version of it. It's the first time I've heard that version. No, this this is by far a Christmas movie. I don't care what people say. Like, you can argue to the death saying, no, there's no snow in the movie. There's snow. It's not the normal snow, but there's snow. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, I'm talking about the snow candy. Uh, the nose candy, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> cocaine. It's a hell of a drug. But yes, this movie for me, like, it, it is a movie that puts me into the Christmas spirit. It's really weird yeah. to say that. No, it's definitely, it's always on my... Uh, christmas list when it comes to watching films me and patrick with as we work together at um in our office we with another one of the people we work with have a christmas movie club we always do mm-hmm. and um die hard makes the list every time it has to like i can't I, i'll argue with people about die hard 2 being not really a christmas movie i mean also set at christmas mind i will it, argue that it yeah, is a christmas it is. movie it, it is set at christmas but for me it's more of an action movie during winter than a Christmas okay. action movie. Yeah. Just because yeah, I'll give you that. It's, it's on that line. Like I'll have no problem watching it November 30th and then watching Die Hard 1 because it gets me into the mood for Christmas. But it's it, for me, it's more of a winter movie with action than a Christmas movie because there's not many references to Christmas. Whereas in Die Hard, the original Die Hard, it's nothing but Christmas references. Yeah. It it really is nothing. There's like, it's like I say, ho ho ho. There's a guy dressed as Santa. He wears a Santa hat for a portion of the film. There's many references to Christmas, and anyone who says that it is not a Christmas film is wrong. So let's let's start at the beginning. When did you guys first see the Die Hard movie, and when did you guys first decide in your heart of hearts that this was a Christmas movie? Um. I mean, I can't remember when I saw it. I was probably too young to see it when I saw it. <laughs> um, I must have been about 11 or 12, maybe. That's about a good age um, to see this movie. Yeah, and it's very clear from the start it's a Christmas movie, so I don't know why anyone would say it otherwise or ever think anything else. Yeah. Uh, uh, my first memory of Die Hard was, um, again, I think I was probably about 10, being at a friend's house, and uh, they were like, oh, we, we, uh, well, do you want to watch this video? I went to put Die Hard in, and I was like, it's an 18? How are you allowed to watch 18s? I've been very upset that uh, their parents allowed them to watch all their movies, as <laughs> I would have called them back then. And then I got taken home, so I didn't get to see Die Hard oh. for a couple of years after that. You got Die Hard Blue Balls. <laughs> yeah. The worst kind of blue balls. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Some would say I've never forgiven my mom from that, and it's turned me into the person I am today. Because I didn't get to see Die Hard that night. That weird. Jesus Christ! Sorry, the biggest firework has just gone off <laughs> in the house opposite. It frightened the living daylights out of me. Oh God! I wish I could actually hear like, your microphone is really good because I didn't hear it. But I reaction? felt that bloody firework. Sorry. So we just dated when this. <laughs> I'm going to date when this we recorded this because obviously it's not happening in December, but it's one of my December episodes. Tomorrow is uh, Guy Falk's Day in uh, the UK, and they're celebrating a little early. And so uh, Joe is being inundated with uh, fireworks. Yeah. <laughs> so if you do hear him scream randomly um, out of pure terror, it's not because he's on the show. It's because he's... He may have just nearly got killed by a firework. <laughs> oh, genuinely sorry for railroading your podcast there. Jesus, that just frightened the shite out of me. <laughs> it's fine. It's part of the show. I love it. Um, obviously, this is not being cut at all because it's just adds <laughs> to the content. That is the Phil Better show. Uh, my question, though, is you're in one part of the city. I'm guessing, Padraig, mm-hmm. you're in another part of the city, correct? Yeah. Um, yeah we're a good... Um, Half an hour away from each other. Okay. Think so. Uh, why don't you have fireworks going off, or is everybody just terrified to do fireworks? Oh, they are going off. Um, I I just live in a rough neighborhood, so uh, big so big loud noises don't scare me. I'm 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 used to them. You're not a posh um, man like uh, Joe is. Is yeah. that what you're trying to say? Yeah. See, because Joe grew up 
but you know, Poshny's he's only just moved to a slightly rougher area. Uh, whereas I've I've always I'm not remotely posh. Um, <laughs> it's just the fact that mine I've just moved into a new estate, yes, but the people who live opposite seem to have somehow gotten a, their hands on like firework display level fireworks and are setting them off what I would say was about ooh, the length of two buses away from me. Ooh, okay. I'll forgive you somewhat for that. And it just but they're not even like going off all the time. It's like one seems to go off and then it seems to be about fifteen minutes. And then another one seems to go off. Really delayed timers. Is there at least music it, to this? Like is there at least playing pumping some sort of music? So no, I, I wish there was because then it would at least like make some sense. <laughs> How drunk also, are people over there right now? Um, it's a Sunday, so I'd hope not too, but <laughs> I can't really say anything. We're Brits. We drink all the time. Yeah, Not to fuel the stereotype, but it's true. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to say that it's true and promote it, but it's damn true. It's damn true. <laughs> it is. And plus, I'm on a new build site, so there's like a big empty field next where that's like an empty building site next to us. Oh. And so I feel like a lot of fireworks keep getting set off in there as well. So I, I really hope it's like, like 13 year olds are just running in with, uh, with uh, fireworks and blowing them up and it's not actually adults. Uh, I mean, you can never tell. I, w- I was going to say it, it's, it's the Northeast of England. You can, you can never really be too sure. <laughs> <laughs> and anyway, my- sorry. No, it's quite all right. I love the derailment. Uh, let's go back um, and before the next firework goes off and and die hard, and you die of a fright, uh, Joe. Um, Patrick, you were saying, and I just I have to ask because I see your name it has a T in it. Yep. But Joe's been pronouncing it with a D. Um, is that like am I the one like because I want to say Patrick? Yeah, it's Patrick. Joe. Do I say Patrick? I hear when you say <laughs> another derailment, but it's fine. Um, when you say it, Joe, I always hear like you're saying Podrick. Pa- Patrick. Uh, it may just be the accent. I think, I think it could be the accent. You guys hear yourselves perfectly clear. And over here, I'm like, is he saying Patrick and, or Podrick? Or is it Patrick? I don't know. I mean, sometimes I call you Paddy. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you do. But I'm going to I'm gonna be paying attention to what you say my name is now, Joe. Yeah, but Joe's going to be now very self-conscious you know, that I've called it out. Just to keep it clear, for the rest of this episode, I might just call you Patricia. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord, what did I start? Something you <laughs> Something you did you want to tell the time, tell Phil and all his listeners the time you done a couple of sit-ups and what happened to you? Oh, no, do we have to tell this story on this podcast? We've not even told this story on our podcast. Oh, exclusive. We need to hear it now. And if Joe doesn't so, say it, uh, pa- Patrick, you're going to have to t- say it. So this this story gets dark before it gets funny. <laughs> I will admit that. Um, and since we're talking about Die Hard, we might as well talk about the time that Joe nearly died. <laughs> um, so I'd read on the internet, because the internet is a wonderful place, that the best way to lose weight is to do five minutes of sit-ups, five minutes of push-ups, and... Um, five minutes of squats i was like Can I just point out to everyone who has never seen me and joe me and joe are both quite overweight gentlemen yes patrick frequently refers to us both as whales and when we're at work will send me emails that have really serious subject headlines and when i open them there's just a picture of another different whale <laughs> um so yeah that's a thing so i was trying to lose some weight and um I read this thing, so I was like, all right, okay, I'll do that. And what it is, it's meant to be five minutes of press-ups, sit-ups, and um, squats that are just like a normal amount. Mm-hmm. But I just, I full-on went for it. And then next day, went to work, was in a lot of pain, but I just thought, oh, it's like just muscular pain, it'll be fine. And um, Patrick was being funny. He kept coming over and throwing my pen on the floor, making me bend over to pick it up, <laughs> knowing that I was in agony. Anyway, eventually I went pale white. And uh, my, our manager called me into a side room. And he was like, look, I've booked for you to go to minor injuries. Please go check it out. I was like, right, fine. Reluctantly, I went. I thought it's nothing. It's just some muscular damage. They did some blood tests on me. I had a high amount of a hormone in my bloodstream that um, breaks down muscle. Okay. Um, but they're like, it should be fine. Um, we'll get in touch with you 
um, if we need anything. What we'll do is come back tomorrow, get the blood tests again, and they should have gone down tomorrow. We'd expect it to be quite high the day after some exercise, but this is abnormally high, but still, come back tomorrow, we'll see what it's like. So um, went away, um, came back the next day for the blood tests, got them, they were like, right, we'll be in touch if we need anything. And then that night, I had tickets to see the touring version of the ABBA musical Mamma Mia. Okay. Um, so I went with the girlfriend and my parents to see Mamma Mia, and we were all sat and watching that, and it was a it was a canny little show. It was it was good. Um, came out to about twenty five or so missed calls from the hospital. Oh God. Um, I rang them back, and they were like, "Mr. Coulson, we need to get you into hospital straight away. Um, do you want us to send an ambulance for you, or?" can someone take it i was like i feel fine someone can bring me like i was still in a bit of pain but i was like i feel fine and they were like oh just the level of the hormone that's got into your bloodstream it's now gotten into your kidneys and is breaking down your kidneys oh fuck so if you don't come in tonight you will die i was like all right okay so <laughs> you right now the way you're saying it is I, I can picture you being very calm and very british but <laughs> yep okay no problem sir uh, i'll be right over keeping the calm that, British demeanor. And if I've gotten that call, I'm like panicking. I'm like already halfway running to the, ambi- uh, to the <laughs> hospital. Um, so I, I got in the car, I went home, I picked up some stuff, then went to the hospital. Again, um, very British. You've just <laughs> been told that you may die. You're like, Oh, I'll get a, a nice cup of tea, uh, get my jammies and then I'll go over to the hospital. It's going to be fine. Um, and then spent the night and the next following day sat up in the hospital getting my a load of fluids pumped through me to get this hormone out of my my bloodstream and out of my kidneys and when i text patrick and told him this he found it hilarious and went on to proceed to tell the whole office ha 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 joe's nearly fucking killed himself doing some sit-ups um the thing that makes this story for patrick and why he finds it so funny is the doctor when he was interviewing me was saying so this injury is uh, it's not a very common one, but it's one that we only ever see in Olympic athletes and coke addicts. <laughs> and he went, no, I'm sorry, Mr. Coulson, you don't exactly look like an Olympic athlete, so I'm going to have to ask you if you'd be willing to take a drugs test. So <laughs> I not only nearly died from sit-ups, I was also fat-shamed into taking a drug test for a cocaine addiction. Oh, sweet Jesus. Um, <laughs> oh, well then, um, <laughs> this is the greatest story that's ever been told on my podcast. And I want to thank you, Joe, for allowing my podcast to be the exclusive of this story. Because holy fuck. <laughs> Fat shamed into taking a cocaine test, a drug test. Oh my god! Um, um, yeah, and I was lying in the hospital bed, like dying, and just getting a lot of gifts and hilarious things off Patrick. Just him ripping the piss out of me for nearly dying for, from doing sit-ups. Yeah, and I mean, and our manager at the time wasn't exactly the friendliest, so I had to take a day's holiday for that as well. Oh uh, <laughs> so yeah. It's frequently a joke in our office that I nearly died from doing sit-ups. Oh, my Lord. Oh, my God, that is good. (laughs) Stay safe, kids. (laughs) So what you're trying to tell my listeners is don't do exercise because you could end up either being a coke addict or an Olympic athlete with their injuries. Do exercise. I've just sworn off sit-ups for the rest of my life. I think you you could do sit-ups but not like intense five minutes worth. Like maybe do like start with one a day, <laughs> go to two in a week or two, you know, like it starts. One small. thing the doctor did say was that the tear in my abdomen was in my abdomen muscle was that bad that when it did eventually heal, I would probably have some quite decent ab muscles somewhere under, <laughs> under the fat. <laughs> You, you're rocking a six pack, but your your fat is protecting it. That's what I think. Yes, about I've got a layer of protection over the top of it. That's what it is. There you go. Oh my god, that's oh, that's a that's a hilarious story. <laughs> I don't even know how to get back on it. 
I don't know. I, I I'll segue into it because I'm pretty sure in the movie there was uh no there there was cocaine in the movie. There we go. Yeah, there we go. There we segue go. through the cocaine, um, the nose candy, um, Joe's being accused of being a druggie, which <laughs> I don't think he is. Um, I definitely am not. <laughs> you work you work for uh, a very specific company that we're not going to say on the show, but obviously I'm no. pretty sure there's some drug tests going on there. But moving on, yeah. So, Patrick, you have blue balls regarding Die Hard. Yeah, yeah, because I was I was denied my first viewing of it, and, and then it just it wasn't it was only a couple of years later I finally got to see it on TV, and just fell in love. First couple of minutes, that was it. Yeah, it I think love. I probably. First saw it on TV as well. Yeah, it's uh, it's heavily edited for TV, which which is a shame. Is I don't well, I don't know about for you guys. Uh, you have to remember that I live in a very. We had the uh, conservative people leave your country to come form our countries, my countries over here. <laughs> so you know the pilgrims, they yeah. they were too uptight to be British, mm. so they left. Um, so and a lot of that still plays on uh, TV channels and that. And when it comes to certain I, things, you guys have a lot of more freer, freer um, ideas when it comes to certain topics. Um, I mean, I feel like British media is very free when it comes to saying things. Like, I'm pretty sure the only word are you still not allowed to say the c word on British television, Patrick? Or are you yeah. allowed to now? Because it used to be you couldn't say the f word, and then about I'm, many I'm years sure ago seen, now they, sure they retracted that a couple of times not very often but i've seen it a couple of times because so i know one thing that you should try and check out because me mate sent us it um he did send us a, a few scenes of die hard mm-hmm. mm. and it's um where it's been edited for american tv i think it's american tv more than likely but the, it's then got the subtitles as well so where it's changing like the swear words and it's it's pretty hilarious either they'll do one of two things when they censor it for uh, american audiences either they completely cut the sound for a movie so like it will be like oh you motherfucker it will be you complete silence the music stopped the voices are stopped every sound effect is stopped so it just goes dark like you think you lose sound and then it comes right back and you're like what the fuck or they they change it to mother father, or they they change it to turn up, a, or they like some alteration of the word. I, I think that's what the video is. I think it's the the. I don't think it was just Die Hard. I think it was a, a compilation of loads of different ones that have changed it. But then you get to see just some of the the more creative things that have changed swear words too. Yeah, and like and th- that happens more with the older movies. The newer movies, I think they actually uh, just get the actor to dub in some like in post. So like mm. it, it actually flows like the scene will flow. So you have the original. It's like you motherfucker, and then they have them dub it for TV, and it's like you son of a gun, and you're like, well, it's a bit like um, pick a destiny, tenacious D. Mm-hmm. For American television, they did a redub of it, where they because obviously all their songs are quite sweary, yeah, and they changed all the lyrics, and some of them are actually brilliant because it's obviously. Jack Black rewriting them, um, which is the smartest thing yeah. to do. Get Jack Black to rewrite everything. Yeah, pick a Destiny clean version. Um, trying to find some of the lyrics, like things like in. Oh, I can't remember. You could cut all this because I'm just rambling now. But... No, no, this is stinging. <laughs> I, I, my editing is very simple, guys. I don't ed- I edit long pauses. And I edit the ums out of most of my things. After that, it's it's everything stays in unless there's something specific that I can't have in because of certain certain things. Like if you guys told me your job or I said my job, I'd have to mm. edit that out because I don't want to get anybody in trouble because I know how some companies are um, very finical about their social media and that. So, yeah. so, th- so Kickapoo. One of the more sweary Tenacious D songs. It starts off, obviously, a long-ass fucking time ago in a town called Kickapoo. Well, it's a long-ass freaking time ago. And then there's the bit where he sings, Oh, the dragon's balls were blazing as I stepped into his cave. And then I sliced his fucking cockles with a long and shiny blade. It's, oh, it's, I sliced his fucking cock off. Sorry, I think is the original words. It's now, I sliced his freaking cockles with a long and shiny blade. And it's also the dragon's boards were blazing. Oh. I didn't know and then he sings, boards. 
Instead of "Twas I who fucked the dragon," he sings "Twas I who bugged the dragon." Instead of "Fuckalize, sing Fuckaloo," it's "Buckalize, sing Buckaloo." <laughs> it's just such so ridiculous. And it actually probably works just as good as the original. Yeah, it does. It probably does. I mean, I don't know. Maybe we're just more desensitized to swearing over here in the UK. Yeah, I I remember that I was listening to an episode of Swear Words uh, of Dark Hair Presents. And not to give Rory another shout out, but he just hey, give him a shout out. His podcast's good. Yeah, it is, and he did an episode all on swearing. And obviously, the Scots don't really give a fuck. No, and they have some creative swear words as well. They do, and I think that's why when they use regular swear words, people are like, "Oh no, that's fine." But then they use their creative swear words, and people are like, "Wow, you have a filthy mouth," because <laughs> it's just so creative the way they swear. Um, mm. I'm not even going to attempt um to do it but yeah like you guys for swearing like you can't get away with a fuck on tv and you guys are telling me that some of your shows may have fuck in like if it's on like sons of anarchy or like a hbo i mean or like a paid cable Mm. uh, you can get away with it because people have to pay for it but if it's on like regular abc nbc cbc uh i was gonna say i know the walking dead are allowed one fuck a series yeah that's on amc and uh they are? I never yeah. noticed that. Um, but they record, a, whenever they put it in, they record a clean version and a non-clean version because the clean version goes out on the TV and then on the DVD they're allowed their one their oh, one fuck. That makes sense. Because there's one series that ends with Rick saying they don't know who they're messing with on the TV one, but if you watch it on the DVD, he says they don't know who they're fucking with. Ah, well then. Yeah. I didn't know that. What? That's one of the things we have over here as well, is the watershed. So before nine... You can't swear at all. Yeah, like it's all it's all censored and you're not allowed to swear anything like that. But come nine o'clock, that's when... They... Everything's free game. Just yeah. don't say the C word. Yeah, I think the C that word is probably the one word that is universally, unless you're you're Aussie, I think, Yeah. Uh, mm. that people don't say. And like surprisingly enough, um, a lot of characters on American american television whenever they're british they drop the c word like it's nothing and like i've i've listened to a few british podcasts and it's not like that like i've told a few uh podcasters that from britain who've come on that i haven't listened to their show before i'm like look you can say pretty much everything but the c word is a a no-go and he's like yeah well that's pretty much the rule for everybody and i'm like Mm. really because uh tv is lying to me then because you brits like to drop that c word a lot I, it, it still offends a lot, as I found out once. It still oh, yes. Um, Patrick once called me the C word at work, and a woman we work with proceeded to slap him for it. Please yep. tell me she was a, a grandmother type figure. Yes, yep. she is. Yes. yes. <laughs> better. It just makes it so much better. She was sitting down and he was standing, so she almost very nearly smacked him on the bum for it, but it was more the <laughs> upper leg. Yeah, it was sort of the hippish. If I'd have been turned slightly, then it it may have ended up in a HR complaint from me. Um, <laughs> yeah, but then you run the risk of she making the complaint about you for using the C word. Well, this is the because Patrick then went into a side room with her to argue about this, and um, he, he well, I'll let you tell the story, Patrick. Well, that was well, we had a bit of an argument about it because although I know people don't like the word, I I was like, well. It's, it's just a word, and I was aiming it at Joe. And then she went to get a manager, so we went to discuss it, just me and her. And what I said to her was, that, well, if, you, if you're going to complain, who's who's going to get into more trouble here? Like, me for using a word that you don't like, or, or you for hitting us? And that was my defence, basically. Was, I'll, I'll take whatever punishment I get thrown at us, because I didn't assault anyone. Ooh. It wasn't really assault. But you've, your life felt threatened. This older yeah. woman attacked you. She sexually harassed you. Exactly. I mean, <laughs> I, in in the moment, I had no idea what was going. On. I was just really confused and quite scared. Yeah, <laughs> an innocent lad like yourself. This older woman, probably in a position of power, was taking a. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna stop this before I get really in trouble uh, with any type of listener. Um, but yes, going back to Die Hard. Because uh, that's what this, this episode's supposed to be about, and not about the c word and getting in trouble for using the c words and Die Hard, a tangent special. Ooh, that's the tagline. <laughs> Jesus, this is probably one of my most tangent-filled 
episodes, which is saying a lot. So yeah, Die Hard. Uh, what's Joe? What would be your favorite scene in this movie? Um. Oh, I like the. I do like the scene where he confronts um Hans Gruber face to face for the first time. Okay. And like, it's just because he's been talking to this bloke on a radio this whole time, and he's ah, oh, it, it's that or it's the glass scene. Which one would with the, glass scene? the 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 glass where it's all over the floor where it's shattered and he's because they know he's barefoot. Ah, oh, yes. So they've shattered all the glass and then the way he just powers through it. That's that's a pretty badass scene, I have to say. And it's like, it, that's the point where I think you realize his determination and it's like, nothing's going to stand between this man and saving his family. I have to agree. That is a, the, the, the scene with the glass is a badass scene. Um, now, when he confronts Hans, are you talking about the first time when Hans kind of acts as a uh an american and not a brit oh no i see i forgot about that I, no i i was thinking of when he like confronts him at the top okay and then the the falling out of the window scene yeah okay but no i where he pretends to be one of the um hostages forgot about that that is a brilliant one because yeah. we all know but he doesn't know yeah and there was actually a scene cut out of the movie mm-hmm um, so going to when he finally realizes that Hans is a bad guy in the movie that the scene that's cut out, there's a scene regarding the watches and the watches play a very important part in the movie, but that scene right. was cut. So that's how he, cause like people are trying to wonder like, how does he know that he's a bad guy? It's because of the watch scene. Like he figures out that the bad guys are wearing a specific type of watch or something. And then he sees that Hans has it. And then that's how he figures it out. Uh-huh. Oh, throwing in some little that, knowledge there for you people. That makes a lot more sense, right? I, I was going to ask you, Phil, to know because this is what I've been heard. This is what I've been told. I don't know how true it is that the whole reason for that scene, where the meet uh, for the first time, was because of Alan Rickman's Im- impression of like the American accent. I that I, I, the, the director was so impressed by it, they wrote that in so he could use the accent they could be i i to tell you the truth i wouldn't be surprised because alan rickman is a is a god so i would want him more in the movie and more scenes in the movie um i I, I can't remember where i heard it from but i've heard that as a the whole in the it's not in the original script but then when he was cast um they then created that scene because of the way he does his act his american accent they created a scene where he'd be off so he could do Alan Rickman could do his American accent, and that's end up being the scene where he first meets John McClane. I, you know what? It's probably true, or it's going to go down in movie history as uh, lore. That yeah. th- that's why, and no one's going to dispute the fact that that's the reason why they uh, added that scene in. But I can't tell you if it's actually true or not. I could probably just Google it, and then we could get a definitive answer. But I don't want to ruin the <laughs> the legend. Of Alan Rickman that way? Yeah. And I knew as well that this is Alan Rickman's first film? Yeah, his first huge film. And, like, for a first film, like, he gets a meaty role. Yeah. I mean, like, that's a... Hans Gruber is an iconic film. Oh, yeah. like Not not just in, like, the Die Hard suit, just in action. He... Yeah, I think he probably... He's in at least the top... 10 list if not top five list of movie villains uh, everybody considers a badass oh patrick there's an idea for an episode um i'd probably have to give it to just uh, as i'm currently thinking though i can't think of just from like 80s action films anyone no other villain that stands than? out yeah like can't think of anyone that's watching i guess alone went up against who well you have uh drago for stallone from the rockies oh uh, yeah Ivan drago um, you have, um, shit. Let's see. I mean, if anything, Arnie is the classic villain from Terminator. Yeah. You have Arnold Schwarzenegger, yeah. uh, the Terminator villain. Um, you also have the, from Terminator 2, the T-1000. Is it the T-1000? Yeah. The liquid. T-2000. T-2000. He, he's an iconic villain. Um, uh, what else? Ah, uh, but, but I'm going to get technical ascension films. T2's 91. Oh, yeah, um, it is a 91. Okay. Okay. Getting your technical in there, throwing in your, <laughs> throwing your technicalities at my face. I understand. It's okay. It's all right. <laughs> Fine. But it, 
as, as I was saying it, I was like, I'm going to have to say 80s action film villains because we would be quite far down the list if it's just action film villains. But mm. if you're going, yeah, if you're going 80s, it's it's hard to fill out that list. Uh, but if you go movie villains, then you can fill out that list. And he still, for me, he would still be in very close to the top five list of movie villains. Because yeah. unfortunately, there's been a few more iconical villains. And off, and when I need to say them, I can't think of anything because that's that's always a good thing. Um, the Graboids are good too; they're shit. Um, from Tremors, <laughs> <laughs> Tremor movies are so good but so bad. Um, going I back to seen any of the Tremor movies. Oh, mate, you <laughs> have to see the Tremor. Tremors one, Kevin Bacon. It's amazing. It's it's bad, but it's amazing. It's on my list. <laughs> yeah, I, I gave you like at least a dozen movies to watch on your my, when I was on your show, um, <laughs> so I feel bad for you that I'm continually adding more movies to it. But moving back to Die Hard now, so your favorite scene, Joe, is when uh, either the glass scene or when the f- the the meeting at the top of the Nagasaki building. Um, mm. What about you, uh, Patricia? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Patrick or Podrick or Patty or. Whatever you're going with your name today. Um, favorite scene. See, when you asked Joe, I was trying to think of a, a favorite scene. Um, so I quite like it. I know it's not just one scene, but I quite like the interactions between Bruce Willis and Hans Gruber. And uh, no, it's a, a little cop's Al. Oh yes. I don't know the the actor's name. Give me a second. He was on Family Matters. Yeah. He's the okay, true hero. He's the true hero of that movie. If anything, he's the true hero of Die Hard. People do say he's the true hero of that movie, don't they? Reginald, Reginald Vell Johnson. Yeah. Sergeant Al Powell. I like, I, I like, see, I like the interactions between them two. Um, especially the one, I think it just falls on from the, the glass scene where uh, like you've got... He, 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 Bruce Willis is just uh, John McClane's just ran off, and he's he's pulling out the the bits of glass from his um Foot. from his feet, and it's that conversation between them. I think I think it's a is it is is that the, the bit where he's talking about how he then passes on the message to to Al to say like I'm not going to make it out. Can you hey pass this message on to Holly? Like saying that you know she was always right and um, about everything, and then Al sort of gives them the I think the, it the is of like. Look, you are going to make it out of here. Um, like I believe in you, and just, just, just Al. Basically, oh yeah, as you said, he is the real hero. Like all the way through, the way he's talking to the FBI agents, he says he's he's not seen deadly squat from anyone down here. Or he's just a hero. Al Powell, I'm going to get a poster of Al Powell. That's what I'm going to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah um, that I have to say the the interaction between him and uh, Reginald. Is a great because um, it's he's he it's kind of he's it's a buddy cop movie but it's not the typical buddy cop movie because you have the interaction where you have the badass which is John McClane and then you have the 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 funny family type guy that is being played by uh, Reginald that is yeah. pretty typical of every uh, buddy cop you have one guy who's the badass like if we look at all them during the times like the lethal weapons you have D- danny glover being the uh more practical and then you got mel gibson being the crazy one you have even in uh, rush hour you have the same thing like they that is the trope of the uh buddy cop is you have one who's a badass guy and you have one that is the more family oriented people mm. so this movie can be cast as a buddy cop movie because of the interactions even though there's no yeah, i suppose you could yeah and uh, the, my, probably my it's my most used line from Die Hard because uh, this line always pops in my head for some reason. It's uh, when Al first shows up and um, he throws the John McClane throws the body out the window and the line of uh, "Welcome to the party, pal." <laughs> Whenever I'm welcoming anyone somewhere, I have to fight an urge to to say that. Well, like, if you're oh, at a party, so, it's it's well okay that you say it. Yeah, but like if, if something's like going wrong, like, like when you guessed it on our episode, it must have been really difficult for him to be like, 
Welcome to the party, pal. Yeah, like if if something's going wrong and then like someone's just joining it and you know things are going bad, it's just not to be able to just turn to them and be like, like see at work if something's happening, be like, oh, welcome to the party, pal. And it just always goes on in my head, and I'm like, I can't see it. But that is, I, I just that moment might be my not not necessarily seen, but just favorite moment, which is weird since it's just a little. Sometimes the best part of a movie is that just a like a two second clip. That's that's all that you need, which yeah. is like "Welcome to the Party," which is a uh, two second scene. It's it's like a throwaway line, but it it's for some people it's the most iconic moment. Yeah, because that, that is the bit. I, like, I don't know if it's like I feel like um, back going back to talk about it being on TV when like channels would advertise that Donald was coming on, they'd have like their own little trailer to show it was going to come on. I feel like one of the channels in over here always ended it with that, which might be why it sticks out so much to us. That it would always be like that'd be the final shot of their trailer. That'd be like Die Hard on nine o'clock Sunday, and it's just I think that's just what's made it stick with us. Yeah, no, it's 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 such a good movie. Can't get enough of this movie. I mean, I've got a list here. Ooh, I like uh, lists. I've, I've ended up in a Wikipedia hole. Oh god, um, it's. Of the people who turned down the part of John McClane before it was offered to Bruce Willis. Ah, uh, you see, you're you're about to say my one of my facts about Die Hard <laughs> that I all like to say. This... All right, you on. go on then, Patrick. Uh, you you can see it. It's just connected to yours about Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah, so it was turned down by um, was it gone? Six other actors, um, and this is the order that they turned it down. So. It was first offered to Richard Greer, who turned it down, which at which point weird. it was offered to Al Pacino. Um, he rejected it, so they offered it to Arnie, mm-hmm. who also said no. And then it was Burt Reynolds. Ah, oh, the Burt. And that, I mean, that's four, and it said six, so I'm looking um, to see who the other ones are. Apparently Frank Snorra was one, because Die Hard's a book. Um, and I think he was in a film. He was in another film that was based on the book. So I, I've, I'm sure I've been told somewhere that he was. He oh, had... um, it was Sylvester Stallone and James Caan, oh. the other two. See, I could probably see James Caan playing John McClane. Mm. I can see because he's got this. He's got a similar. Yeah, build. no, I, yeah, I'm with you on that one. Arnie's too big. Stallone is too big. Unfortunately, Pacino. Uh, I don't see him as an action star. Yeah, yeah, he 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 doesn't seem right to be in a in a film like Die Hard. No, and Sinatra. I just I think he would have been if if you said Sinatra was one of them, correct? Uh, it wasn't on the list that I saw, but yeah, I, I've heard he, he was in um, a film based on the original book of Die Hard or something similar to it. So he was. So, so this is what. Sorry, I'm just double checking it. Um, it went. It ah, went right. Yeah. Uh, oh, sorry, Barry. It it says here apparently Die Hard's based on another book. Die Hard's a book that was a, a follow up to a book in the sixties called The Detective, and that was um, adapted into a film starring Frank Sinatra. And apparently, Fox were contractually obliged to offer Sinatra the a, a lead role in Die Hard. He might not have been John McClane. It just says lead role. But you then turned it down. So don't know the, if it um, was Sinatra as John McClane, but it would have been Frank Sinatra in as a lead role in Die Hard. They offered it to Bruce Willis out of desperation, like the, they were gonna act, act, like axe the film if he'd said no. Yeah, he got like five million for this movie. Yeah, that's insane. Well, see, because what I was gonna say, which was the fact that that I know that led into what you just said, Joe, is I knew that it was. A, when it was pitched to Schwarzenegger, it was pitched as a Commando sequel. So he was going to be John Matrix returning. Okay. And although I think it wouldn't, it, well, I know it wouldn't be as good as Die Hard. I I'd like to see that version of the film. Yeah, I would quite like to see. Being a fan of Commando, even though it's Watch questionable. Watch yourself. Watch yourself. You're, you're <laughs> treading on careful. Look, Arnold is a god. Period. End of discussion. His movies Excellent. are gold. Okay, since you've said that, I don't... I don't care that people say it's questionable quality. I love Commando. It's 
for a long time in my life, it was a go-to film if I just wanted to put something on. Okay. And I would quite like to see that that character in Die Hard. It would be interesting. Right. I mean, I, I don't think it would be anywhere as good as <laughs> Die Hard we have. No, no. It's it, it's it, It'd probably be a bit more cheesier. Yeah. It'd be more action-y too as well, I think. There would be more, more hand-to-hand fights because that's what Arnold's really movies are really about less the gunplay and there wouldn't be as many quips i think the movie with uh bruce willis is 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 gold because of the quips because bruce willis is like a small guy he's like what five eight i think hold on let me see here bruce let's just say yes (laughs) Uh, well he was born in germany or west germany Hmm. didn't know that neither did i Weird thing, personal things. Here we go. Oh, he's six foot. Okay, he's <laughs> six foot. Still, not, not. There's bigger, taller men, but he's not an imposing person. Like if you put Arnold there, yeah. you you need a bigger villain than Alan Rickman. Yeah. Because like, if you just look at it, you you're like, well, that's not a that's that's easy. He's just gonna crush his skull. Whereas what? you get two guys who are about the same size and build, then it feels like a bit easier. Isn't it more the genius of Hans Gruber though that's his power rather than his size? Yes, I, yeah, yeah, it is. And in this movie, it works. Ah, yeah, I suppose. But yeah. if you have like Arnold Schwarzenegger, who's just muscle, and he's like most of the problems he solves with putting his fist through your face, it won't work. A, a genius villain won't tends to not uh, during during the period that this movie was out and the movies that he was in a genius villain wouldn't really work all that well against muscle yeah and, and nothing's well if if Schwarzenegger's in it you're thinking like if i think what is the 12 is it a team of 12 take the tower hostage like you've got to you have to up the amount of yeah your villains because there's nothing stopping Schwarzenegger in all in like the tech film sequel is his character especially if that it's, yeah if it's down. a sequel to commando at the end of commando he takes on basically an army by himself yeah so you can't then turn around and be like oh, yeah, he's, he's struggling with with 12 people who are basically locked in a building with him unless you unless you perpetrate a show that they're like special special forces like they're sas or you know yeah. like green berets or stuff like that that so it would give him a bit of a challenge because they're specialized in hand-to-hand combat and stuff so at that point then then you can work with the 12 but still having a small person like alan rickman who is not physically imposing versus this behemoth it's going to end up being a switch you're going to probably fall more in love with the villain than the hero because it's not it's not a it's not a fair fight so when you have a villain that is like a genius level you want to have your hero somewhat similar or like a regular joe like bruce willis plays yeah. like an everyday guy like i can see quote unquote, i can't but i can imagine myself being in bruce willis's shoes or john mcclain's shoes and i can probably play that i can believe that i'm there but when i have arnold i'm like i'm never going to be arnold's size like yeah. i can probably spend 12 years doing gym works and end up in the hospital because i have uh, an injury that is only done through uh olympics or coke addicts like uh, you, Joe. Um, but yeah, so like, whereas John McClane as Bruce Willis, I can believe that I can be John McClane. Like, it's not that hard. Shave my head or go bald, maybe lose one or two pounds, and there, boom, I'm John McClane. You know, like yeah. I'm a uh, t- nearly a twenty year vet on the on the force. Uh, I suppose one thing as well that I, I prefer about Bruce Willis being in the role is now I've I've seen a lot of action films from the 80s. I've not seen all of them, but of the big ones that I know for at the time, it is and it, it's sort of similar to what we've been saying is, you know, they didn't take beatings. Just... Yeah, they were like, pretty invincible. The end, the, when they're fighting like the, the, the big boss at the end, yeah, they'd get a couple of scratches then, but like Bruce Willis in this film gets the shit kicked out of him. Oh, yeah. He goes through some absolute horrific injuries. And that's another thing that I like about it is it's a it's a hero who although he, he's getting the shit kicked out of him he's still going yeah like and that that lends something to the character that you wouldn't have if it's just a case of for instance the bit where he runs across all the glass just in the next scene he's he's fine yeah you know you, you see him like 
like wipe, uh, wrapping up his feet, and that means he's limping everywhere for the rest of the film. And that by the time he does come one on one with Hans Gruber at the end, like it's he, he doesn't have very much more left in him. Like no. that's it. Like if Gruber got away, then that would be the end of it because he wouldn't be able to chase after him. It's just he's he's done at that moment, and it's it has to be finished there and then. Yeah, and like Hans Gruber could theoretically beat the shit out of Bruce Willis at that point because he has taken on like a giant of a man. He's yeah. been shot. He's been nearly stabbed. He's fought. He's been like exhausted. He hasn't had anything to eat. You know, like he yeah, is completely beaten down and he's just right now running on fumes. And it's just pure luck that he ends up winning the fight. Yeah. And uh, it, it's just. It's just all well written. That I think it's perfect for for Bruce Willis. Like of all the other people who were mentioned, I don't. I couldn't imagine any of them doing no the part. Like even even I said, jo- James can could he just he he doesn't like he would fit the character. Like I could see him at he does look like an everyday guy. He's got that, but he's still got that really like Italian accent, Italian mentality whenever he portrays his characters. Like he's a real tough guy. And so whereas uh, Bruce Willis, he in this movie, like his later movies, he looks more like a tough guy uh, and a badass. But in this movie, he just seems like an everyday guy who's just tired. He's like, yeah. look, I just want to see my family, relax and not deal with this shit. And now I have to deal with this fucking shit. Like, one of the quotes in the movie, it's, um, he's crawling through the shant. He's like, it's like, come to the coast. It'll be fun. I'd say, yeah, I love that line. And I was going to say, like, it leads into one of my favorite lines of the second one as well, where it's, um, again, he's in the ventilation shaft and it's, the quote's something like, how can the same shit happen to the same guy twice? Yeah. <laughs> and you get the, like, the whole where he's like, how. How have I thought? How am I in this situation again? I think that's what I like about one and two is that he's just there by chance. Yeah, he's unwilling in the first two. Yeah, whereas in like three, and I'm not gonna lie, I've only ever seen four once, and I've not seen five. Um, wait, wait, just kind of the third. The third one takes place in New York, right? With yeah, Sam that's, Jackson. that's the one with the school yeah. bus and Sam Jackson and Hans Gruber's brother, isn't it? Yeah. And then you, that's Die Hard with a Vengeance. Ooh, someone's yeah. driving a motorcycle close by. Or it's a... I mean, I've just had three fireworks go off. I feel like I reacted to them very calmly. <laughs> you did. And here I am getting like, all excited because of a uh, of a motorcycle. And then after that, is it Live Free and Die Hard? Um, one second. Yeah. Or it's, it's only called Live Free or Die Hard. Hold on. In North America. Outside of North America, it's called Die Hard 4.0. Okay. Uh, I, I don't know why they felt the need to change that. Yeah, so you outside. have Die Hard, Die Hard 2, Die Hard with a Vengeance, uh, Live Free or Die Hard, and then A Good Day to Die Hard. Yeah. I've not seen A Good Day to Die Hard. Don't worry, you're not missing anything. Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean I've mean, i got I've got it on DVD because I'm one of the few people who still collect DVDs, and I've only got it because I have the others. Yeah, the same with me. The only reason I have the other two, uh, like the third one is pretty good. Like each one is okay. Yeah, it doesn't match the original, but they're the first three are I really enjoy. The other ones are just like let's try and cash in on this movie. You know, yeah. like I, it, that's the thing. Like I, I, I know there's quite a few people out there who don't like Die Hard with a Vengeance, but I think I might prefer the two. Yeah, like because it's a different story altogether. Because like Die Hard Two is kind of nearly the same story. But taking yeah. place in an airport. Yeah, but then Die Hard with Vengeance, you know, it's yeah, because hey, you've got the fact that he's being told to like basically go all over New York trying to solve. And I, I just quite like Die Hard with Vengeance. Is I'd probably say that's my favorite after the original Die Hard. Yeah, I probably pardon me. I probably do the same thing. I would put Die Hard, Die Hard with a Vengeance, Die Hard Two, and then I would forget about the rest. Yeah, that's that's one hundred percent what I do as well. <laughs> Not going to lie there, guys, I did what I've decided to call a Patrick, where I forgot <laughs> I was on the podcast and thought I was listening to it. <laughs> call back to your episode, uh, to the episode yeah. of your show. I like that. Giving the cross-promotion, people. Cross-promotion. <laughs> no, but seriously, I genuinely was that interested in listening to you two talk about that. I forgot that I should probably talk, which is why I came in with, 
Yeah. <laughs> so, gents, we're coming up to an hour here. We're going to have to, unfortunately, cut it short, uh, cut the episode, because if not, we're going to talk for hours about John McClane being amazing and uh, the love of Die Hard. We're going to leave. I'm going to ask you these. This is something completely new. I've just started it now, because why not? What is your favorite quote from Die Hard? Yippee-ki-yay, motherfucker. Yippee-ki-yay, motherfucker. Yippee-ki-yay, motherfucker. Yippee-ki-yay, motherfucker. Yippee-ki-yay, motherfucker. Yippee-ki-yay, motherfucker. Classic. Um, uh, well, I said earlier, it's the, I think it's the, welcome to the party, pal. Welcome to the party, pal. Excellent. But there's just, there's... the whole movie's a I, quote. Now yeah. I know what a TV dinner feels like. Oh yes, there's that. It's well, like I'm. I literally have the quote page up here, and it's like, "You want money? What kind of terrorists are you? Who said we were terrorists? You know, like there's when there's uh oh when he's talking to one of the agents. I got a hundred people down here, and they're covered in glass. And John McClane's like, "Glass? Who gives a shit about glass? Who the f- who the fuck is this? This is Deputy Chief of Police Dwayne T. Robinson, and I'm in charge of the situation. Oh, you're in charge." Well, I got some bad news for you, Dwayne. From up here, it doesn't look like you're in charge of jack shit. You listen to me, you little <laughs> asshole. I'm asshole. I'm not the one who just got butt fucked on national TV, Dwayne. Now you listen to me, jerk off. If you're part, of, if you're not part of the solution, you're part of the problem. Quit being a part of the fucking problem. And put the other guy back on. You listen to me, you little asshole. I'm a- asshole. I'm not the one who just got butt fucked on national TV, Dwayne. <laughs> Now you listen to me, jerk off. If you're not part of the solution, you're part of the problem. Quit being part of the fucking problem and put the other guy back on. Like, come on. Like, <laughs> that is amazing. Some brilliant writing. Oh, yeah. Like, I miss the 90s and 80s. <laughs> See, I think after I've watched all the films that you've you've suggested, um, I think I'm going to go on a massive 80s, 90s action film binge watch. Oh, I love it. I love it. I'm bringing bring the 80s back and the 90s back into it, guys. I love it. All right. I'm, I've am i just finished polishing the floor up for you two gents. Um, I'm going to let you guys promote the uh, Magic 10 List podcast. I'm pretty sure I messed up on the title again, but it's all right. It's, it's fine because Joe's going to tell us where you can, where you can all find work. Oh, is this because you always do it and I wasn't cock it up every time, Patrick? Yep. <laughs> cool. So I'm going to show you how it's done. Um, I, I so hope you mess up just for fun. <laughs> Not right, Did you get the finger click? Was that audible on the mic there? The finger click? There we go. There we go. Like the crack in the fingers. There we go. Oh, yeah. Right. Um, so uh, you can find us on at Magic10Pod on all the social medias. Um you can find us at magic10pod.com um, for our website. We're on all of the, we're on iTunes, we're on Spotify, we're on, um, we're not on Google Podcasts because we don't have that over in the UK, but we're on anything that you can get a podcast on, basically, um, except for Stitcher because you've got to pay to be on Stitcher and we aren't made of money. Um, I was going to give them all of our email things if they want to get in contact with us, but that's for our that. thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we do top 10 lists where 10 is a magic number, but that's really long to type. So on all the social medias, we're Magic 10 Pod. So look us up there. But if you're looking for the podcast on your podcast app, it's 10 is a magic number. I rambled a bit there, but I think I got everything across. Patrick, did I miss anything? No. What would you rate, his, uh, rate his thing there, Patrick? What do you what do you, um, you know, just to, just so I've still got something to do on the podcast next time we record one. I'm going to give him a zero out of ten. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Ladies and gentlemen, of course, you can find all those linked in the description down below. I am, of course, Phil Better, the host with the most. I want to thank you for listening. I want to thank my guests for coming on because they were amazing and I had a fun time uh, in the 12 hours of podcasting that we've done. I'm going to let you know that you can find <laughs> us, of course, on iTunes, on Google Play, on Spotify, probably on Stitcher. I don't know. Apparently, we have to pay. I don't. I don't handle finances, of course. Um, you can follow us on the Facebook, the Twitter, the Instagram, at Feel Better Show. Please make sure you rate and subscribe. And make sure you give my boys from the roughest part of England uh, a listen to with their podcast. Because if not, they're going to just have more fireworks go off and scare, scare poor <laughs> Joe. That's the last thing we need. His poshness doesn't deserve it. Um, Patrick, Joe. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm really 
turning into that thing and i'm gonna love it um patrick joe i want to thank you so much for being guests and allowing me to be a guest on your show of course it's going to be linked in the show notes um i can't wait till we do our two-part episode sharing it on both of our shows the top 10 of is sam jackson right we're doing sam jackson Jackson. top 10 sam jackson moments or sam jackson movies sam jackson movies because then we can talk about the third diehard film there, there we go. We're bringing it all back together, people. So once again, ladies and gentlemen, I thank you for lending me your beautiful ears to listen to this amazing podcast. Joe and Patrick, please say goodbye. Bye. Goodbye. Yippee-ki-yay, motherfucker.